Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor, and welcome to our program today, Hunty. G'day, mate. Always good to have you on board. Yes, good to be here, bud. I'm hoping for a better week than last week. Remember, we started off and we just got gazumped by L- the internet. Last week, we lost our internet right at the start, yeah. For, for at least half an hour, too. So if you're No, right, actually, we were, yeah, we're off 20 minutes, but the, the interruption was only a few seconds. Uh, yeah. Because our video, our Faith FM broadcast on, on Facebook was still up. But it was just we, we. Yeah, but it wasn't up on radio. No, it's sma- it smashed our radio this link. Is, this is a radio program, not a not yeah, a Facebook. Yeah, program. it is. <laughs> glad to have you all here, listeners. Yeah, we are glad to have you here, and it's a beautiful day out. Well, yeah, it it's kind of trying to be a beautiful day outside here in Sydney. But I'm glad because this this time last year we were having floods, and now we're are we entering a drought? What do you think, Mr. Hunt? Uh, pr- prediction is, yeah, based on the, the fact that we've, we're like really low on our rain forecast for this month and this winter. I, I don't know where the prediction is for drought, to be honest. I heard this week, someone in my valley anyway, where I live, they're telling me that the predictions for big floods again. And I, I heard said big that, fires. <laughs> perhaps they don't know. Okay. I. I reckon when it comes to the weather, a lot of the time, you do a little bit of long-range forecasting, but mostly you just got to rely on God and what he decides and how things will go. Hey, this day in history, let's yes, do a little bit of got? that. 1290, King Edward I of England banished all Jews from England. Pretty oh, bad. Bad. I never knew this. So um, he banished somewhere between three and 15,000 because it was a long time ago, 1290, but... Um, you wouldn't have thought there would be anti-Semitism in England back then, but there was. And, and the reason he banished them was threefold, really. They're accusing the Jews of being Christ killers, something that the Jews have been accused of since the crucifixion of Christ. Because if you're a Christian, you understand that it was me, it was you, it was us that put Christ up on the cross, and he paid the penalty for our sins, not, yep. the, not yep. the Jews as such. And yep. so that, that was a bogus sort of a reason. Also, yeah. there was, you wouldn't believe it, but there was rumours going, around in England at the time that the Jews were abducting and murdering kids. Really? Yeah, there was. Wow. Almost, you know, middle-aged, dark, superstitious sort of rubbish. And, of course, there was just straight anti-Semitism. And so that happened in 1290, and I didn't know that. In 1870, the First Vatican Council, I found this very interesting, happened. This happened in 1870 on July 18, today's date. The First Vatican Council, also known as Vatican I, decrees this doctrine of papal infallibility. The doctrine claims that the Pope cannot err when speaking on issues of morality and or faith. Of course, wow. that, that's nonsense. Wow. Only God is infallible. I don't know how they thought that up or why they thought they'd get that past the rest of the world, <laughs> but apparently it's still in vogue today that the Pope is infallible. I, I don't believe that for a minute. In 1925, on this day, July 18, Hitler published his Diabolical tirade called Mein Kampf, which means actually My Struggle. And if the world had bothered to read that book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle by Adolf Hitler, they would have realised what he was up to and perhaps been able to bring a stop to his dastardly rule and the millions, 50 plus million people that died in World War II, let alone again 6 million Jews in the Holocaust, the world would have been up on what he was doing and been able to bring a stop Hmm. to it. 1968, I put this one in for you, Hunty. (laughs) Intel. 
is found. Oh, wow. You know who Intel are? I do. What do they make? They make um, computer chips. And that's without warning to Andrew Hunt. Well done. 10 out of 10. You're starting well today. <laughs> uh, founded in Santa Clara. California. Have you been to their factories? And I've been to Santa Clara and I've been to their, one of their offices, yeah. The Intel Corporation is the world's largest semiconductor chip manufacturer to this day. 1976. Do you remember back then, Hunty? Nadia Comaneci. Remember yes, her? I, Re- I do remember Remain- Nadia. Me too. Yeah. Romanian gymnast becomes the first gymnast to score a perfect 10. That's in right. And she scored perfect a number of them. 10. Yep, yep. In the Olympic Games. Amazing, amazing gymnast she was. Hmm. Birthdays, 1848. I bet you don't know this one. 1848. W.G. Grace was born. Yeah. Oh, from Grace Brothers? No. No. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> he was a very famous English cricket uh, captain. Because the English are on the nose when it comes to cricket a bit because we're in the middle of the ashes. And That's it right. looks like they're making a bit of a, a comeback. Um, you you are English, aren't you? You're a POM, aren't no, you? No, born here in Aussie. Yeah, but you're a POM. You've got English blood. Born here in Sydney you, and proud of it. You've got English blood running through you. In fact, I've got to check every time we play them in the cricket that you're, sco- that you're cheering and scoring for the right team. You know it. Born here, love the Aussies. Uh, well, WG Grace, great cricketer. Died in 1915. Pretty bad sport, actually, <laughs> when you have a look at his life. Well, he was born in 1848. 1918, Nelson Mandela mm. died in 2013. Look, a lot of people have different views on Nelson Mandela. I think he's a great man. I love the way he treated his enemies after years and years of abuse. I like him. I think he's a fantastic guy. 1921, John Glenn. You know who he is, don't uh, you? National? Yeah, he was born. Uh, he's since passed on. What about this one? 1925, Shirley Strickland. Uh, she, nope. she passed on in 2004. No idea. Very famous Australian. She's the greatest, what did she do? greatest athlete we've ever had. She wow. won three Olympic gold medals, a silver and three bronze, and she won three Commonwealth golds and two silvers. We've never had an athlete like her. Fast. She could run like okay. the wind. Uh, 1950, Richard Branson. Yeah, no, Richard. Virgin Atlantic. Virgin, Virgin Records. Yeah. Virgin Spacecraft. Multi, 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 multi millionaire, billionaire was born this day, April 18, uh, 1950. What about this guy, last one? Born, we'll have a couple of deaths in a minute. I'm looking forward to one of these deaths. Not that you should look forward to death, but I want to test you. Hey, before we we, we, before we're going to go back to your school. Before, before we days. move on, do you know how Richard Branson got his start? Yeah, I do. He sold a something for $500. I was reading about it today. And he trying to used remember to go it. to the markets and sell records out of the boot of his car. Yeah, but he sold the first thing he sold. Oh, I wish I'd remembered what it was. It was for 500 bucks. He's a, he's a billionaire anyway. Mm. 1967 Vin Diesel. You know who he is? Well, yes, I've got a Facebook page named after him for my car. What, you called your car Vin Diesel? My car's called Vin Diesel because that's a diesel Jeep. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's who, a famous Hollywood actor who, who's pretty put I on think he's fast part, cars. part Simon. Cool. Yeah, big. he's a hero actor. Yep. Uh, deaths. Now, here we're going to go back to your school. Now, I'm putting this on you, Hunty, without yep. warning. Yep. 1817, Jane Austen died. Who is she? Ah, oh, she's an author. Oh. And what famous, what's the most famous oh, some, series? Something of about books? little people or girls or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is another book you were supposed to read at school. Not, not on my school. <laughs> not in your school. You mean it was in your school, nope. but not in your paradigm. No, our school didn't have to read it. Pride and Prejudice. There you go. And Emma. And many she died. She died. You would believe this great romantic writer died when she was 41 years of age yeah. of cancer. Yeah. And the last one, 1792, John Paul Jones, father of the American Navy. 
did a little bit of work on this guy. He was in the Revolutionary War, was their most famous and most successful sea captain. Not really the nicest guy. I mean, I don't know whether he should bring it out already, but he was later accused of rape of a young 10-year-old girl. Kind of got away with it, but, but he was... He was guilty, but to this day, he's seen as an American hero. He he actually ended up fighting for the Russians, uh, which was quite legal back then in their Navy, uh, and he died at 45 years of age of kidney disease in 1792. Uh, word for the day, because... Hang on, before you do, I've got a question for you. Yep. Are you enjoying your headphones? No. <laughs> he's saying that because I've got a pair of headphones on that came out of the ark. And the reason I've got them on is because I forgot my... Bows, are they, hunting? That's right. My you beautiful. You've got your nice headphones. You have to pay the price. I do. I've got these, all these cruddy old things. I have. I've got these awful headphones. He never offered me his good ones either. Word no. of the day, let's move on. Okay. Tyro. Never heard of it. Can I give you an example of it and see if you can yep. work it out? Sure, sure. Despite being a Tyro in the kitchen, he managed to whip up an impressive meal for his dinner guests. Well, I can assume he's a, a culinary loser. As a Tyro in the field of photography, she was still learning the basics about lighting, composition, and exposure. Oh, newbie. Yeah, Tyro comes from the Latin word meaning recruit. It was first recorded in English in 1605 to 1615, we're not sure, but around then. Someone who is like a beginner can be described as Tyronic. Oh. So when it comes to playing tennis, you're Tyronic. <laughs> when it comes to playing sport, you're a beginner, you're Tyronic. Well, hang on a minute. I got enough skill to beat you in tennis. That's no, you keep important you thing. keep exposit you kept you kept uh, exporting that lie. I've got witnesses we, too. You've got no witnesses. Eric, you're all backing up. Okay, you go get her a bigger on radio <laughs> next week, and let's see about that one. <laughs> but look, wherever you are, we're joking aside. We're really glad you're here we today. We are glad. We yeah. hope and pray that in this program, as we open windows to Jesus, you're going to see a glimpse of Him, and you're going to think He is just well think he's wonderful just like we do hunter you want to pray to open the prayer so that the team yeah uh, the team the the show we'll get there dear heavenly father lord thank you for this opportunity this afternoon to lift you high in our community lord we love you so much and so i pray lord for all of our listeners across this great country and on the internet lord i pray that you'll be with everyone wrap your loving arms around them grant them their heart's desires laws and help them to find a deep relationship with you also pray for my mate Lloyd as he opens the Bible this afternoon, that you send your Holy Spirit to bless him as he does. Lord, please bless us in our breaking this afternoon, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Whatever happened, you weren't missing that sting this week, were you? Hunty? I decided to open my eyes. Open my eyes, you're pretty to get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for the prayer, Hunty. Um, this first song, I reckon, I can be corrected. This is a new song from City of Light. Yep. City of Light, group of young people from a Baptist church just up the road from New Hope, actually. Yep. I think it's a Baptist church or an Anglican. Might be an Anglican, Hunty, I think. Ooh. Um, their lead singer is actually my son's school teacher. Very cool. But they pretty are much a world-famous Christian band. And this song, My God Is All I Need, and if you listen carefully, if you're a Christian, you'll recognise that it's mixed up with a song that we've been singing in church for a long time. My God Is All I Need from City of Light.
song, Humpy? I do. What a great song. Yeah, not a bad song. I love it. Uh, I think we'll hear a little more of that one. I, I wonder whether any of our listeners can tell us, is that a new song? Because when I looked at it, I, where I got it, it had only been posted for two or three weeks. And I'm hey. thinking, is that a new song? Or, it'd be great if it was a new song and I was one of the first to play it on radio, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. Very yeah, cool. They'd owe me. <laughs> Maybe we could then get them to yeah. come to some of our concerts. I already tried. That whole quarter of a cent. Hey, if you're if you're from City of Light, Lloyd Grolleman from New Hope, we're trying to get you to come and play. I've yeah, sent yeah. you emails and text messages. Yes, come to our hymn sing program. <laughs> we love that. We would. Um, we'll we'll talk more about hymn sing. Hey, question without notice, yes. news, Hunty. Yes. Do you think it's a good idea? Because I read this and I didn't put it in. I was going to ask you just off the. Uh-oh. No, no, it's not like that. I just want to. I'm not trying to trap you. I, I want to see your view without you thinking about it. Do you think it's a good idea for all of us to have a sabbatical from the internet? In other words, turn the internet off. I think that depends how it affects you. Well, I read an article this morning that says that people are as addicted to the internet, to their phones and computers, as they are to heroin and other substances of choice. You think that's possible? Well, are you able to stay off Facebook for say 48 hours, no problem? I don't know because I don't do it. I do, and I it doesn't. I stay up it easily for forty eight hours. I'd like to put you to the test on that. I really would because I don't know anyone who's more connected to the internet for everything than you. I would love to take you into the desert without <laughs> the internet and just see how you go. I would really, well, really see, enjoy you got, that. You got to set fire to a couple of things. I need a lot of stimulation. I need a lot of input. So well, apparently that's. I like the problem. to have three things going on at uh, once. Apparently, to, according to this article, that's the problem. It does stimulate. It overstimulates our minds, and so I like our, that. <laughs> our minds are getting to the point where they can't. Where they're just going go 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 go, and and in this article not a religious article though just suggesting that we go on internet fast i've got a joke for you about about internet i don't know whether i want to hear yeah you do do most, i most people sure? yeah you do most this, this is not gonna oh, no. stop our continuation on the not a problem okay most people would you believe it or not with their scrolling with their index finger will scroll up man everest every month really yep is that a joke or is that no, true google it it's how far you scroll you literally will scroll up Mount Everest. How come the trackpads on our computers don't run? Uh, kind of wear out, or they do? Because they're glass. Most of them are glass. Ah, uh, or steel. Uh, what? So what is it on my little Apple here? My little bottom of the range. Oh, that's titanium. Cheap I think. Skate, I think that's titanium. Cheapskate Apple. I got the certainly alloy. Hunty's strong alloy. Hunty's um, riding the top of the range, and I'm riding the bottom of the range. My trackpads that I sit here at the side of my computer are both glass. But mine aren't, because I'm bottom of the range. Mine's probably plastic. No, they still you eat. Both want to cracked and have broken shards of glass of, on them, but they're... Moving on. Yeah, okay, move <laughs> I've on. I've had enough of that. Enough. What do you think of these heat waves? In, in, oh, in, my goodness. Hey, they're everywhere. How they're, terrible is this? North America, Europe, Asia. Kids in Greece have been moved off the coast because it's so hot. Yep. I mean... There are people rushing out to Death Valley in Las Vegas. Oh, forget, look, Death Valley expect to be hot. Well, people are rushing out there now to hit the hottest day on Earth Yeah, ever. yeah, I, look, mm. I know that. But mm. look, mm. you expect Death Valley to be hot. What you don't expect is 48, 49 degrees in mm. Germany, Austria, that's Switzerland. Right, that's right. Um, Very true. You, you're, you've frequented Europe. You've worked in Europe. You've lived in Europe. Love Europe. They have, have, hot, they have hot summers. I've, oh, look, I've only been in, to Europe in three summers, I think. Yep. I've never seen heat like this. Usually, that they're crying when it's thirty. I mean, the palms get out into the parks when it's twenty-three or twenty-four, with their shirts off and enjoying the weather. <laughs> the palms cry heat wave at thirty. Well, not now. No. Right through a year at forty-eight to fifty-one degrees. Yeah, they had to close the Acropolis the other day because they thought tourists would be passing out. It's so hot. I mean, I'm kind of glad I'm not in Europe at the moment. 
You mm. wouldn't want to be in Europe, and it makes me wonder what's happened. Hey, Come what on. did you say about the, the, the glaciers in Switzerland and the, and the snow? Well, they're all melting. Did you say it was the first time ever there's been no snow? No, there's no snow in Europe. Well, no. when I, I better be careful wow. saying that. There'd be some snow, I guess, on some of the highest of the Alps up in Nepal, and I, I guess that's Asia. But, um, yeah, they've never had a snow melt like this. Um, you know, all those people that are crying global warming, well, perhaps it's time everyone paid attention. I've never been one to say that there's not something happening mm. on the Earth. I have never ever ever been one to say that i've always thought that mankind is damaging the earth i think there's a reason jesus says in matthew 24 i'll come and destroy those who would destroy the earth because there's no doubt that we are destroying the earth uh do we completely understand why the earth has died probably well maybe maybe not but i have no doubt and look you know what it's sometimes popular to say this in christian circles hunting but i have no doubt that mankind is having an impact on the environment uh, on our earth, and that Jesus has got to come or we will perish. Uh, Russia withdraws from the grain deal. Well, yeah, what this is, is you, man, this, this Russian Ukrainian war is, is a stupid, stupid war. I mean, shame on P- Putin. Um, I, I, I say that straight out. Does that mean I'm on the Ukrainian or the Russians? No, I'm not. I, I think it's a stupid, stupid war. It's ridiculous. And and I say shame on Putin because he's the one who started it. So many thousands of Russian boys, innocent Russian boys and innocent Russian Ukrainian boys dying. It it makes me cranky, Hunty, this one, because it's senseless. Russia's the biggest country in the world, doesn't need any extra land. Uh, Ukraine's no threat to Russia. I don't believe NATO is a threat to Russia, actually. Not going to attack. Nope. Um, and, And now Ukraine, who's one of the biggest... Wheat exporters in the world and grain exporters is going to struggle to get the grain out, and it's going to cause great hardship in in Europe for sure. Not just Europe, Africa, I think are the big ones. You'll right. see starvation unless they can. There's some talk about American and and NATO warships um, guiding these ships full of grain out. But man, what a troubled world we live in, and what a troubled time it is for the Ukrainians and the Russians. And as I say, I'm not on either side, mm. but I, I just think I cannot believe Putin did this. Uh, I cannot no, believe it. Um, no. And, and it's, 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 it's horrendous. It's disgraceful. It's horrendous. Forget it's un- about the, the politics. The zero conscience. <sighs> hmm. First edition iPhone sells for how much? Tell us a little bit about this one, Hunty, because we're going straight back into your area. Uh-huh. Well, the first edition iPhone um, in a box, mm-hmm. brand new, never opened, yep. is worth a lot of money. How much did it sell for? Uh, do, do you want me to tell you? Yeah, please. Thanks. So you don't know? So it was 150000 I think. <laughs> One hundred ninety thousand. One hundred ninety. Yep. That's US. Yep. yep. At yep. an auction. Yep. Original price in the US and in Australia six hundred dollars. Yep. Sold for hundred. Why? Look, why does a- someone want to buy <laughs> an iPhone one in a box? Why? Tell me why. I don't get. It. If I got one hundred ninety thousand, I'm not. Look, I, the last thing I'm thinking about is buying an iPhone one. Mm. What's going on there? Well, I didn't buy an iPhone till iPhone four came out. But look, it's a game changer for the world. The iPhone one. So. <laughs> if you want to be brutal about it, I, I guess it's not worth one hundred and ninety thousand. Well, what am I going to do with it when I bought it? But am, I, you, am I going to connect it up? Could you connect it up, Hunty? Yeah, it'll still work fine. Really? On, so, Probably. an analog is it analog or digital? No, no, all iPhones are digital. Okay, mm. so why am I buying one? Just oh, a collector's item. Just a collector's item for sure. Yeah. Do you think there'd be many around? A uh, brand new in a box? No, I wouldn't imagine there'd be hardly any. Tell me about the specs. Okay, so believe it or not, the iPhone that I'm holding in my hand right now, the 13, mm. is as 
skinny, well, the, the skinniest part of my phone is actually longer than the iPhone 1 was wide. That was long. So it's just a little phone. little tiny phone. The camera in it was uh, a 2 megabit camera. Are you talking about wide? Um, yeah, because like, this is, is on Facebook was also on uh, Facebook. So yeah. my phone that I'm holding up to those on Facebook. Let me have a look at that. That is actually bigger than the original no, phone was long. No, Yes, mate. No, that can't be. Oh, yes. Oh, totally. Had a 2 meg camera. The camera I've got in mine's now got okay. 48 I'm meg camera. I'm going to go and check that out, listeners. <laughs> I, I think we've got something here. We're, I think we might have him on something. Oh, no, hang on. I think I can put... Oh, you know, this is radio. Um, <laughs> I've got a picture of it here for you to come back. Okay, out. we're going we're gonna to argue about that in the next song, and we're going to come back. That can't be true. It wasn't that long, Hunty. It was about that long. Yes, but the top had an inch of black on it, and the bottom had an inch of black on it. The so actual screen... Okay. The actual screen... Length on the first phone is as wide as maybe, my screen is. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, it's the truth. You've got 18 seconds to tell us the difference between the two. Okay, so the camera, the, the original camera was 2 meg. The current camera on the 15 or the 14 is 48 megabytes. The processor is insane on this new one. You could actually edit full-scale 3D videos if you wanted your, to. You're talking about old-fashioned 13 or the new 14 or the 15 coming out there. What have I got? I've got an old 13. You've got an old 13. Old dung or everything. 13. <laughs> <laughs> Just so our listeners know, I actually end up with Humpty's old phones. My, my cast-offs. <laughs> I do. I've got his yes. iPhone 10. That's as good as I can do. <laughs> uh, we've run out of we're time. We've run out of time. Humpty. I was thinking that. <laughs> but yes. I think we might come back and revisit that iPhone right. later on in the show. But um, I, I think when you see these things happening in the world, the, the climate out of control, um, wars that are needless and senseless, killing thousands and perhaps going to cause some starvation around the planet. Even when you see how far we've come with technology, when was that iPhone 1 brought out, Hunty? I don't know. Uh, 2007. Early. Yeah, 7, there you go. So what's that? How long ago? 23, 2, 1, 15 years 16 ago. 15 years, yeah. Man. And yeah. you look at the technology, the way it's advanced, all these things tell us that the world, believe it or not, they do tell us the world is coming to an end and soon we will see Jesus. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I play this guy a fair bit. His name's Don Moen. I like the way he... He's a worship leader. Uh, he's a professional worship leader, songwriter, musician. Uh, he specialises in worship in churches. And this song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, I like it, Hunty. Mm. And it's a song we're bringing to New Hope in the not-too-distant future. Our worship leader's bringing it to New Hope. I hope you enjoy it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift our holy hands in one accord. Singing, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Sing it again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised and adored. Yes, he is. So we lift up holy hands in one accord. Singing, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. 
It's a old song, but it'll be a new song for us at New Hope. Yep. I like it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can kind of remember it when I was a kid. But, and I remember the tune, but we haven't sung it for a long time. It's a beautiful song. Hey, um, on Friday nights we do a uh, Bible study. Not really a Bible study. I do a program live. It is actually live. And uh, the world's a pretty intense place at the moment. And there's a lot of people suffering some pretty bad stuff, uh, going through trauma. And I did a program, Hunty, called um, How to Cope with Trauma or something like that. And... Uh, I recorded it, and I thought I'd put it on the radio today. Remember, it's made for TV, and it was for last Friday night, so it's not very old. But if you listen to it carefully, I think you might get a a few clues in your life if you're going through difficult times, challenges, someone's hurt you or you hurt yourself or you're going through trauma, I think you might get just a little glimpse of how Jesus did it. And if you look at how Jesus did it, you give yourself a chance of making it through. How do you get through trauma? It's a good question. I'm almost 60 years of age, 33 years at the end of this year in ministry, and I've been the unfortunate uh, recipient of quite a bit of trauma in my life, but even more so, I've watched people as they've gone through great and deep trauma. And I'll tell you what, when you go through trauma, it has a very big impact on your life. I remember a few years ago, I met a young man and his wife and two kids who came to New Hope. And I always like it when new people come to New Hope. If you live in northwest Sydney, come to New Hope. You're going to get a warm welcome from me, probably even get a warmer welcome from the people. It's a good church. They turned up at New Hope. Now, they're new, and they hadn't been going to church anywhere else, so I was excited. Turned up to their house, started to talk to them, arranged Bible studies with the dude found out that his wife had been an Adventist, so she was coming back and she was kind of dragging him back into it. Well, not dragging him, you know, pulling him gently in a very positive way back into it. But he had cancer. He didn't stay at New Hope for that long. He and his wife and family moved back to New Zealand, their home, because I guess they thought that maybe he was going to face some pretty serious challenges, and if that was to happen... He better go home. Well, they didn't stay in New Zealand long because they came back, but they didn't come to Sydney, so they couldn't come to New Hope. They went to Brisbane. And he just got sicker and sicker. And he had kids under five. Um, had a wife who loved him. We prayed for this guy. We anointed him. We did everything we could to ask God to heal him. And I could see the trauma that not just the guy who had cancer was having, but that his wife and even his little kids were having. And so it was a deeply moving event when I got a phone call that he was dying and I rushed to Brisbane. I actually took our producer director, Hunty, with me uh, to keep me company. And we got up there on the last day of his life. I had the privilege, but also the very sobering responsibility to baptize him and we baptized him and a few hours later he died and the trauma on his wife and his kids on his extended family on his friends was huge and so i think when we go through life as we face trauma it's a good idea for us to sometimes step back and say hey when it comes at me and when it overwhelms me like a wave. How do I face it? How do I cope with it? Because you know what? There are a lot of people out there who don't cope with trauma. They don't get through it and it destroys them and you could be one of them tonight. Well, I want to give you just a few... I want to give you a few pointers on how you can overcome trauma and to do that, I'm going to look at Jesus. You know, 
whenever I face things in life, and we all face a lot of things, I've made a practice of looking at Jesus. And I look at how Jesus gets through it, and then I say to myself, well, can I follow in his footsteps? And I always can. So how did Jesus get through trauma? Well, let's have a look at this story, and it's a good one. It's found in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to go into a couple of books tonight. This is a pretty short, again, a pretty short Bible study, but it's an important one if you're in trauma and you're struggling to get through it. Luke chapter 7, verse 20. John was Jesus' cousin. It was John the Baptist who had context for the story, who had prepared the way for Jesus' ministry. That's the dude who was down by the, the Jordan River and he was preaching and he was baptizing people in the thousands. He ate locusts for food and these are real insect locusts, which interestingly are a clean meat. Some people argue it's something else, but no, it was locusts for food and honey. And I guess he drank water out of the Jordan. So he's a wild, woolly fella. But he is on fire full of the Holy Spirit and he shook the very foundations of Israel as he prepared the way for Jesus to come. John and Jesus were cousins. And John got thrown into jail. You know why he got thrown into jail? Because the king at the time of Jesus and John was a guy by the name of Herod. And Herod had had an affair, listen to this, with his brother's wife. And his brother's wife had a beautiful young daughter, perhaps 13, 14 years of age. Keep that tucked in the back of your mind because we'll return to it. John is in jail. He's in trauma. His disciples are in trauma and they come to Jesus, who they believe was the king of kings. And this is what they said, Luke seven twenty. Remember, we're looking today at how to overcome trauma. John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah? We've been expecting. Or should we keep looking for someone else? That's a good question. John's in jail. Things aren't going well. Jesus, are you the Messiah or aren't you? And this is what Jesus said, and I think it's interesting. Jesus told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured. The death here, death here, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. So, Jesus says, hey, go back and tell John what you've seen. First point in how to overcome trauma, and this is an important one. When you are down and discouraged, when you're suffering trauma, maybe you brought it upon yourself, or maybe somebody else has caused it, but when you're suffering trauma, you're down and discouraged, look at what Jesus has done in your life. Start to look for the blessings that Jesus has given you. And I'll tell you what, when you start to, I don't know what it is about Jesus. Well, he's God and he's the Messiah and he's Saviour. But I really don't know, he, what is it? He's just so powerful. And when you start to look at what he's done in your life, you start to go, wow. Start to, like the old song says, count your blessings. And you'll start to experience the power of Jesus as he drags you out of trauma. Now, you might say tonight, well, I don't know Jesus. And I know there's a lot of people watching this program who don't know Jesus. Well, if you don't know Jesus and you can't look at your own life and see what Jesus has done for you, and I get that, you know what to do? Open a Bible, maybe some of you for the first time in your life, and read the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, you're highly traumatized. Something bad has happened to you. You're discouraged. You're depressed. You can't get out of it. That's right. 
If you don't know Jesus, open your Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, go online. There's Bible versions all over the internet. And start in Matthew chapter 1 and read Matthew and then read the book of Mark and read the book of book of Luke, read the book of Luke and read the book of John and see what Jesus did. And even by looking at Jesus' life and seeing what Jesus has done, you'll start to get a personal relationship with him. Even that, Jesus is so powerful that even if you don't have a relationship with him, even if you look at his life, it's going to start to drag you out of the trauma, the discouragement, uh, the depression that you might be facing. Now, let's go on in this story. Herod has a party. And in this party, he looks across, he sees his wife, who is actually his brother's wife. Remember, they were having an affair. And his stepdaughter, who is actually also his niece, gets up to dance. She's 13, 14 years of old age. It's a provocative dance. Ladies, men respond to you when you're provocative. It's not a good thing. It was a provocative dance from a young girl. Herod was so overcome, so full of lust. So not only now is he with his brother's wife, he's now lusting after his brother's child. Kind of get a sense of what sort of man Herod was. At the end of the dance, he says to his wife, his brother's wife, he says to his niece, his stepdaughter, I am so overcome with that dance. It was so beautiful. It was so fabulous. You can have anything you want. You know what she asked for? She talked to her mum. This is a young girl. She comes back to Herod and she says, I want John the Baptist's head on a plate and brought to me tonight. Talk about trauma. Matthew 14 verse 10. Here's the story. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. I mean, this is a this is a tremendously traumatic event for Jesus, for John's disciples, for Jesus' disciples, for anyone around Jesus. This is trauma. This is pure trauma. So what does Jesus do when he's presented with the death of his cousin, the man whom he had chosen, the man who he chose, he chose to advance his kingdom. Have a look at this, Matthew chapter 7, and you're going to see what Jesus did. As soon as Jesus heard the news, verse 13, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So Jesus wanted to get alone. Not a bad idea when you're in trauma. Get alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Look at this. This is how wonderful Jesus is. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And then the most amazing story, I have not got time for it tonight. But Jesus then preached. He's traumatized. He's in, he's grieving, he's deeply wounded by the loss of John, his cousin, to this wicked Herod who'd beheaded him because a silly, foolish young girl did a provocative, erotic dance. John, his cousin, this herald of God, whom Jesus would later call, no man better in all the history of the earth, he's traumatized and yet he, he tries to get away, he crosses the lake, he comes, here it is on Galilee, and there's 5,000 men plus women and children waiting for him. And his heart goes out to them, and you can kind of see the picture behind me there. This is the Lake of Galilee. That is probably 
uh, if it's not a similar hill to what Jesus preached on to 5,000 men uh, and women and children. One of the greatest sermons, uh, one of the greatest uh, um, stories in the Bible of what Jesus did on that day. So Jesus, even though he was traumatized, did not lose his focus for mission. Now, if you're a Christian and you're traumatized, that's okay. Look at Jesus, already shared that with you. But even in the trauma, don't lose your focus for mission. Jesus can and will still use you. Despite his sadness, Jesus kept his, focus, his, his mission in focus. And if Jesus kept his mission in focus, so too should we. So this is the end of the story, Matthew chapter 7. Immediately after this, so he preaches to 5,000 people. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now look what he does. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus spent time in prayer as he recovered from the trauma. And if you're in trauma tonight, it doesn't matter whether you brought it upon yourself or someone else has done it to you. If you are discouraged and if you are depressed, if you are wounded and if you are broken, I encourage you from the depths of my own heart, having been in trauma myself, to spend time with Jesus in prayer. Talk to Jesus about what's going on. Ask Jesus to help. He will come. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a follower. You don't have to be a believer or disciple. If you go to Jesus, a human being, broken and wounded, in need of help, and you're prepared to tell him what's going on and ask him for help, Jesus will come, Jesus will help, Jesus will soothe your soul and Jesus will bring you step by step in his time out of the trauma. So how do you get through trauma? Well, this is not the conclusive answer to it, but it's part of the answer. Number one, look at what Jesus is doing in your life. And if he's doing nothing, well, then go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and find out what he did. Either way, it's going to lift you. Number two, focus, if you're Christian, focus on your mission. Don't give up sharing Christ. Don't give up, even though you're traumatized, even though you're wounded, don't give up sharing Christ. I've got to tell you, kind of going off script here a second, and I don't like to talk about it too much. Some people say I talk about it too much, my divorce, long time ago. I talk about it because, man, 50% of the population goes through it, so it's relevant, even though it's a long time ago. I've since married. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a great family. I've got nothing to complain about. Um, but when I was going through the trauma of my divorce, some of my best work for Christ occurred. Why? Because I was in trauma. I had Christ. I could reach out to other people in trauma. I could understand where they were at. I could sympathize with them. I had empathy with them. Why? Because they could see I was in the same trauma they were. So don't, even though you're in trauma, you've still got something to offer Jesus Christ. Don't stop working for him. And, and thirdly, and this is a big one, get away to Jesus alone and pray. Spend time with Jesus and pray. You do those three things, I'll tell you what, you're well on the road to recovering, and you will. No night lasts forever. The darkness doesn't go on and on forever. Eventually, the sun will shine. It will rise in the morning. But you do these three things, you're well on the road 
you're well on the road to escaping from your trauma and getting into a place where you can say, I've recovered. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I've recovered. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. There are so many things that wound us and hurt us and break us and discourage us, send us into despondency in this world. We are human. We are vulnerable. We are weak. Some of us have traumatized ourselves. Others have been traumatized by someone else. Wherever we are tonight, if we're in that, that place, I pray, Jesus, you'll hear the cry of our heart. Send your Holy Spirit, third person of Godhead, to show us the way. Open our ears and our eyes so we can see and take us step by step out of the trauma, back into the life, back into life, back into life more abundantly. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. If you're going through difficult times, was I on then, Hunty, or was it just in me? You're Maybe. There? Yeah, Hello? yeah, yeah. I'm just making sure I was on because it sounded like I was blunt. There's nothing oh, going. Sounds, anyway. right. sounds good. Yeah, okay. Good, good. Yep. I hope and pray that if you're going through trauma, that that's a little bit helpful. I think what I'm really trying to say is spend time with Jesus. Um, spend time with Jesus in prayer. Get into your Bible. Uh, if you're in your Bible and you're reading your Bible, if you haven't got a Bible or a heap of Bibles online, I keep saying that. Don't have to buy a Bible anymore. Just go online. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's the story of Jesus. You get into the story of Jesus if you're in trauma, if you're struggling with life, if you're down, if you're discouraged, if you're hurt, if you're broken. You're reading the story about Jesus. There's a special power in Jesus, a special power in his story. And you will find some healing, and you will find the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, will come down, and he'll bring Jesus into your life. And it does make a difference. It's not a cliche. I get that an unbelieving world doesn't get that. I get it. I get it. But it doesn't change the reality. This song by Hope Das. Well, who's Hope Das? I had to look this up. She's an American Christian musician and songwriter. Das made a debut in 2020 with the release of a debut studio album, Peace Be Still, containing the singles Peace Be Still and Promise Keeper, which distributed at number 23 in the Christian album charts. Didn't even know wow. there were Christian album charts yep, in sure the United States, sure auntie. Yep. Haven't got a clue on any of this stuff. My wife found this song. It's not mine, but I kind of liked it. It's called Never Walk Alone. I think that's what... Uh, getting through trauma is you're never alone mm. uh, it's not a cliche mm. if Jesus is there in some sense you've got everything you'll enjoy this one if I knew then what I know now I wouldn't have doubted you I wish I could tell my younger self just to have faith There's so many mountains you have moved Valleys you have led me through And it's only by your grace I'm standing here today I'm a witness to your faithfulness in every storm in every The stories that I could tell All 
song thanks lizzie for finding that for me appreciate that i've got her looking all the time hunty for songs for yep. me yep um and she's come up for a couple that we've had today that was nice yeah it is harold are you there we're here okay now that that i'm looking at the timer hunty before we get into oh, that am i missing something go. with that timer or <laughs> busted oh okay okay does that mean we're ahead of time now mate no, we're good. We're right on. Okay. Actually, I'll just while you while you talk. How are you going, Harold? I'm going fine, Lloyd. How's the weather up that way on the magnificent Central Coast? Well, North Coast now for you, aren't you? Well, yes. Yeah, it's near the Hunter area. It's cloudy at the moment, but fine. Okay, good story today of a good guy. I say that a lot with you, but this really is a really, really good story, and I loved it. I loved it. It's a precious story because I think I relate to this guy pretty much, Harold, um, and I think you would too. Um, his name is, will you tell us his name? His name is Oswald Glates. Were you, were you aware of this? How did you come across him first up, Harold? I, I knew when I read the story of the Anabaptist that he finished up in there, and uh, so I have heard of him before. Okay. Uh, have you known about him for a long time, or is this fairly recent? A few years now. It's a wonder that some of these guys don't get more profile. And I'm glad we've got this segment of the show most weeks because it is getting giving profile to some of their stories. Look, where was Oswald born and when? Oswald was born in what was then called Upper Palatinate, which today we would call it's the eastern part of Bavaria. Now, Bavaria is in the southern part of Germany. This was in the eastern part of 
what's today Bavaria. Okay. He was in 1490. That's just a handful of years after Luther was born. Yeah, funny how God had a few of these heroes running around at this time, bringing out different truths, of course, too. Um, interestingly, comes from a similar area to my ancestors. Uh, do we know much about his childhood and his education? No, I've looked that up again, but there's not much uh, given on that, <clears throat> so we don't know too much about his childhood. What did he become? We do know that. We do know. He became a Catholic priest. But something happens... And I know the story is a little bit murky, but some significant doctrine causes him to actually leave Catholicism and join the Lutheran Church. What was that? Well, he was in his early 30s, so he wouldn't have been priest for a long time. And then he accepted Martin Luther's belief in justification and how a person is saved. That is basically you're saved by Jesus and Jesus alone, not by the ordinances, but not by any of the doctrines, but by accepting Jesus as your saviour. And it had an impact on him, becomes a Lutheran. Well, he left his, his Catholic church, he was a priest, and now he becomes a Lutheran. Did he continue in the clergy? When I say, did he, con- did he continue as a pastor, a minister? Yes, he did. He went across to Austria, a little further southeast, and he became a minister there in a place of Austria called Styria. He ends up in a place called Nicholsburg. I never heard of it. Uh, where is it? And how did he um, end up there and why? Well, that was over toward Austria. And he was there and there was a Lutheran church there because the local Lord protected them. Mm. And he went there for that reason. So it was kind of a safe haven in Europe at the time. It was for all non-Catholic groups, the Bohemian Brethren, we've talked about them, the Hussites, the Lutherans and others, they're all safe there. Was the Lord of this area, the the governor or, or, or whatever they called him back then, was he Protestant or we don't know? That's, a, que- that's a question without notice, by the way. Yeah, Lichtenstein, he was a, a supporter of them and would protect them, so he had a lot of sympathy for them. Okay. So in 1526, we're moving on, what did Glate support? Well, he tried to put all these groups together who were coming there to that place. There are over a hundred different pastors and Hussite ministers and a lot of Lutherans, and he said, why don't we get together? Can't we agree on things? Which was a pretty good observation. Not Easier said than done. Um, who were at these meetings? Well, as I said, there are over a hundred ultraquists and the Hussites and the Lutherans. They're all there other than the Catholics. So basically all the Protestants were there. Were they successful yeah. in bringing themselves together into one powerful group? Well, all I could agree on was that the communion service must be for those who are born again through the word of God. So they agreed on the communion service, but that wasn't all their beliefs. So someone arrives in Nicholsburg at the time as a refugee and preaches a powerful message, then it really convicted Glate. What was that about? Well, a guy called Hubmeyer, and we've talked about him, Yeah, he came to Nicholsburg also as a refugee, and he was a great preacher, and he was an Anabaptist. And the whole town becomes Anabaptist, and then Glate receives believers' baptism. Which is what? Baptism? By immersion in water. At an age where you can make a decision for or against Christ. Correct. 
Okay, very interesting. Um, at about this time, what did Glate write? Well, he decided to write a tract and he tried to refute the accusation of the local Catholic friars, the Barefoot Friars, and he writes about faith, how it's demonstrated in good works. He wrote about saints, they can't save you, mm. how you worship and the celibacy of the clergy should be, don't worship images and so on. But he also included baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the freedom of the will. That was against the Calvinists. Yeah, and it would have uh, challenged Luther in certain areas too, especially the baptism. And Yeah. What was Glate's view on defending the gospel with the sword? And I put this question in because at the time it was usual for both Protestants and Catholics to take up the sword and go to war against each other. What was his view? It was. Well, Hilmeyer said, yes, take the sword, defend yourself. Yep. But Glate and a guy called Hans Hutz, they said, no, you're pacifist. Just be like Jesus. So he didn't believe in taking the sword and fighting? No. A bit like Desmond Doss, Hunty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That dude from World War Two, you know, who yeah, was thinking that yep. he refused yep. to take up the sword or a gun and fight, became one of the greatest heroes in the American army. We might look at him one day, Howard. Uh, Howard, Harold, <laughs> Howard. <laughs> that that would sure. be a good story too. Um, as a result of this conflict, uh, where did Glate now move to? Because there was a conflict on those who believe you shouldn't shouldn't fight. What happens? Well, he became a Sabbatarian. He kept the Sabbath. He was a Sabbath-keeping Anabaptist, and he moved from there uh, uh, because he was persecuted again, and he went across to Silesia. Is it fair to say, look, this guy's moving around like they all did. That's one thing I find common in the stories you share with us, Harold. They all move from pillar to post, from one place to another, almost like God's way of making sure the gospel goes around. This guy's a seventh-day Sabbath keeper. He believes in baptism by immersion. This guy's almost a seventh-day Adventist. He, you're looking at almost the ancestors of our own movement. Right. We got a lot from them. Uh, <laughs> Who did Glate baptise and what happened to the guy he baptised? Well, he baptised a Franciscan, that's a Catholic friar, mm -hmm. by the name of uh, Leonhard Schema, and this guy was then, he was killed, a martyr. So, so the, if you become a solid Christian, you were likely to die for it. 1527, 1528, what did Blake, Glate then become? Well, that's when he became a Sabbatarian. And he converted Andrew Fisher, who was another Anabaptist, to yep. this. Uh, another famous Anabaptist, actually, Andrew Fisher. Um, tell us about some of the things Glate did and where he moved to after that, because he really was on the move, wasn't he? He was. Well, he published another tract concerning the keeping of the Sabbath, and he maintained that the Sabbath is binding on Christians in the New Covenant because... It's in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. I went looking for these tracks. Can you still find them online? or Probably not. It is a pity, isn't it? It'd be interesting to find them and see what this, what this guy actually said and how he was advancing the Sabbath and whether it was a similar understanding to ours as Adventists. But as I'm listening to what you're saying, Harold, it seems like it possibly was. It was. Well, you have to read the history of the Anabaptists. You might find a bit there. Yeah. Do, do you think, the question without notice, that the Anabaptists are the spiritual ancestors of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? 
we owe more to the Anabaptists than any other group. Yes, we accept Luther's belief in salvation by faith alone, but the Anabaptists took that further, and I would say we owe a lot. They are ancestors of us, yes. So this guy comes to an end, and it's a grisly end. What happened to him in 1545? Oh, man. He's put in, in prison. He's uh, in prison for a while, over a year. But then, after being in there for a year and six weeks, he's taken out at midnight. They tie weights to his hands and legs and dump him in the Danube River, and he drowns. They seem to do that a bit with the Anabaptists. It's more like, well, if you want to be... If you want to be baptised, we'll baptise you. Right, they did that. And it, so he dies a martyr's death. Absolutely. Can you summarise just briefly, because we're almost out of time, what did this man believe? Because you gave me a summary of his beliefs. To be honest, between you and me, Harold, I found them quite inspiring. They are. Well, he believed, firstly, the sole authority of Scripture, and we would go along mm. with that. He believed in the validity of the Old Testament and its law and the unity between the Old and New Testaments. And that was his reason for keeping Sabbath. He said that Jesus didn't change the Sabbath, nor did the apostles. And then he talked about the creation. He believed that Sabbath came from there. And uh, he talks about Sabbaths in the New Earth. So this was a strong point of his. And uh, he believed all Christians should keep it. He said the Sunday was the Pope's uh, invention. Some truth in all that, isn't there? There is. Well, he's a marvellous man. When you look at his life, what, what do you think he's left us? Well, I think he's left someone who is true to his convictions. He'll live it and he'll share it and he'll be in God's kingdom. Fabulous story. A man I'd like to know more about, and I'm going to go searching on the internet to see if I can find more. Thank you, Harold, for sharing a marvellous story of one of God's great martyrs. This is a guy, when we get to heaven, it would be interesting to talk to. You know, as we close on our time's up, I look at these guys, Harold, and it's almost like they're like their master Jesus. They're weary pilgrims without a home. They're chased from pillar to post. They're harassed. They're persecuted. And most of them, in the end, died for their faith. Amen. That's right. Champions of the cause. Thank you, Harold. My bless. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, Hunty, I'd like to know what's coming up next, but I don't because all I can see is a picture of myself, and it's not pretty, mate. All right, how's that? You got a picture now? <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, we've uh, we've got another song, but before we do, Hunty, ask the Aussie pastor. Oh, really? We have not even given a shout out to that yet, and I know we have some questions in. I haven't seen them with my own eyes, oh, but you con- said we've got, a, we've got at least two of them. Yes. I've got a confession. Let me put my camera on. Okay, I've got, got a confession to make, listeners. During the course of the last interview, my microphone broke off. Oh, fell, really? Fell in my hand. Ah. So, so, so I'm holding it up now. All right. Let me give a quick shout-out for our favourite Ask Delsie Pastor segment. If you want favorite. to... Who's favourite? It's my favourite. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Only because he's constantly looking for people <laughs> who can give questions I can't answer. Uh, my you're, favorite a, people. you're a mean man. Go on, Hunty. <laughs> so if you would like to send the question, we would love to have it, and you can text them to us on 0488 880 or you can email them to us, and the email address is simple. It's 
theaussiepasta at gmail.com again, theaussiepasta at gmail.com. This is a song my Lizzie found again, and it works in with what we've just shared about this uh, tremendous champion of God, um, Oswald Clayt, who gave his life for Jesus. It's called Stay Strong, and it's by an artist called Danny Gorky. I've been waiting for breakthrough I've been praying for change I know you work it out for good But how long will it take? I've been asking for healing And I'm not gonna die I'm ready for the miracle God, let it be this time But if I never see the these songs that my wife chose nice 
That was a really nice song. Let's go. If you're listening, keep choosing songs. I've already got at least one message from one of our listeners who says the music's gone up considerably this week, probably because <laughs> nice. I'm not choosing most of it. Don't worry. Some of mine are coming, hunty. <laughs> I could see a mortified look on Andrew's face. Oh, there. that's because I've got myself a new microphone and uh, I'm just making sure it's working. We rarely have a program where everything goes as it should. This is a story. It's a test me. I like to do at least one of these a week. I'm really liking this new section yeah, me too. we're bringing into our program. Totally. We're sharing the test. And if you've got a testimony of Jesus that you would like to share, get hold of Hunty. Yes. How would they do that, mate? Uh, it's simple. Just email me, theozzypastor at gmail.com. And he'll get hold of you. And if it's a good story, we'd love to get it up, wouldn't we, Hunty? Yeah, we'd love to record it and get it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, look, by the way, if you're in northwest Sydney this coming Saturday, come to New Hope Church. Where are we, Hunty? Uh, we are 4 Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the alley. <laughs> he does that really well, <laughs> doesn't he? Will you be there, mate? I'm always there. God willing, you'll be yep, there. I'll be it. there. Actually, indeed. I made up the the topic, uh, Hunty, that I was going to share. Yeah, what are you going to uh, preach on? <sighs> oh, I know. I remember. What was it called? Something about baptism. No. No. No, no, no. I... I I sent it out and I can't remember where I sent it to and it was a it was a it was a long topic. Here it is, Hunty, you yep. ready? I'm finding it okay, here. Okay. What Jesus says you have to do if you want to go go to heaven. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What Jesus what says What do you have to do to get to you heaven? You have to do yep. if you want to go to heaven. No, well good. if you want to find out you better come to New Hope. That's good. On Saturday. We start at 10 a.m. with Bible study. We have a we, what we what we do at 10 a.m. Yep. is we have a have a little bit of music. Then we split into Bible study classes. Fabulous time. Some people will argue with you that that's a lot better than listening to Lloyd. <laughs> Would you be one of them, Hunty? Would you I say you it, enjoy that more than the sermon? No, I think it, I think they're both great. <laughs> Very wise and political answer. Do I still get paid? <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I'm not paying you. So, <laughs> so ten o'clock, and then we have from ten to about eleven, and then we have a break for five or ten minutes, and then we're into the what you would call the worship service. Lots of singing, and yep. I'll be preaching. And I would look. I'm fair income. If you're in Sydney and you've got nowhere to go this coming Saturday, come to church. And I'll say stay for lunch, but there is no lunch this no, week. Not this week. No. Every, Given the hospitality every team now and um, again, a week off. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yep. Yeah, which is very important. So, look, this testimony is of a man in the United States who was abused. It's a bit sensitive, Hunty. It is a bit sensitive. And it's a bit painful to listen to it. But what Jesus does for him, I mean, it, there'll be a lot of you listening who've had the same experience. He's a very famous... Um, Actor. A very famous actor, yes. I didn't know he was that A lot famous. of you recognise his voice. Is he famous? Well, I recognise him instantly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, see, I don't watch TV, so I'm not taking your word for that. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know how famous he is, but he was in some pretty famous shows. He was uh, the security uh, attaché to the President of the United States. Yeah, okay. No, he wasn't. Only in the show. Yeah, in the TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's listen to the test and see what you think. Well, for me, early childhood started at three months on the planet after birth being left in a bootlegger's house. My mother left me there um, and a lady that she knows by the name of Blanche Adams found me. She was never married and she didn't have children of her own. So God kind of placed us together. She just made sure that I ate good. Sometimes we didn't have lights. Sometimes we didn't have water, but she always found a way. She encouraged me to um, get involved with the things of God and the things of church. I called her mom. She was the only mother I knew. At age six, she had a man stand there. He would play with me a little bit and, you know, throw the ball and promise me stuff, bicycles. 
So I didn't think nothing of it. I was innocent. I didn't know no better. But one day he, um, he put his mouth on parts of my body that he wasn't supposed to. So he told me that if I told him about it, he would kill me. And when I told Blanche about it, my mama, she didn't do anything. It was no protection. I didn't know if it was for the money. Did she think I was lying? So one night, um, I had to go through his room to get to the kitchen. So I went to the kitchen to get some water as quiet as I possibly could. And when I turned back around, he was standing in the doorway with his boxes on, telling me, give me a hug. Um, I won't hold you. And I fought past him as best I could. And I went and woke her up and told her that um, he was trying to hug me. She put him out, told him he had to leave. So my first sexual encounter was with a guy. And uh, I felt dirty and I felt like it was my fault. Or, you know, And I never had any problems with my sexuality, but I wondered why. And I walked around with that um, for decades. That's inside of me holding it. I started to hang around with the older group because my peers uh, made fun of me too much. They were drinking and doing drugs. So I think I had beer when I was nine and I was 10 when I first smoked marijuana. The same year I got saved was the same year I snorted cocaine for the first time at 12 years old. It gave me an outlet and the pain and, and things that I was experiencing inside, it seemed like it numbed it some. I felt happy. It appeared that people were making money. Um, they had nice things. I knew I was poor. So I made it my business to try to be the person that everybody needed to know in order to get what they needed to get. My mama, she died around 16, 17. I was on my own. I dropped out of school. I got another job. But I was also trying to sell drugs, marijuana and cocaine when I would get my hands on it. Recreation and um, fun times rapidly became a habit. And once the curse of addiction got hold of me, it held me for 30 plus years. It just evolved extremely quick. And it went from snorting cocaine to smoking crack. I got incarcerated when I was 28 years old. That was the first time. It was terrifying for me because I'd never been put in a cage, told when to get up, told when to sleep. I went back to what I knew and I got my Bible. And I started to read again and I started to pray again. I didn't want to do drugs in jail and get high even though it was prevalent and it was right there. Every time I got out, it didn't take long before I fell back into the same lifestyle. I would always say, I ain't going back no more. This is my last time. But every time I got back involved with the drugs, every single time that God blessed me with good jobs, career-orientated jobs, I've been divorced twice, um, vehicles, material things. I went right back and lost everything. I chose to be outside. I chose to sleep in abandoned buildings and in people's house that didn't have electricity or utilities. I chose to sleep in cars. I chose to just hang on the street and not go to sleep at all for two or three days. I was angry at God at times. Why this? Why Why my parents leave me? Why did she die when I was so young? Why don't I have a family? If you are loving God, why? I couldn't get it, didn't understand. When you find yourself doing things outside of the law that you wasn't raised to do, and the little bit of dignity and character that's left starts to say, Mm-mm. And you look around and you see you haven't done nothing with your life. You've wasted decades. When God gives you a moment of clarity, it just makes you think, is this it? Is this how it's going to end? Was it 
too late for me to have a purpose and walk in something that was worthwhile. And God gave me a moment of clarity to say, you know what? There's something still in you if you trust me. So I finally got to the point of total surrender, total trust. And I spoke to God as if I'm speaking to you. And if you don't help me and heal me and deliver me, I'm going to die. I called the Salvation Army a couple of days before. They told me to come in that day, did the intake. Said, God, I can't leave until you fix me. He let me know that this is it, that I'm going to change you and you're going to be all right. And it was like the most comforting words in my spirit that I had ever heard in my life. And he just started to minister to me. He let me know that I was his son. He let me know that um, what I went through was not to hurt me. He let me know that he hurt me. I didn't know he loved me. The Salvation Army is a six-month program. Close to graduation, uh, the opportunity to be a Salvation Army soldier became available. I was a soldier for about a year. And then they elected me as the Corps Sergeant Major of the Southampton Roads Croc, which is similar to being like a deacon or assistant pastor. Um, every day I wake up, God is involved in my life and helping me be involved with something he's doing in some capacity. I got an opportunity um, a couple of years ago to be in Homeland, which was a series on Showtime. And I wound up being a Secret Service agent guarding the President of the United States. I would tell people that nobody can take you from the crack house to the White House but Jesus. Because how do you go from guarding Pookie, Ray Ray, and Nuck Nuck to guarding the President of the United States on a major television program? I spoke at old folks' homes. I've been to Atlanta with the Salvation Army. So I've marched in the Grand Illumination Parade as a representative of Christ through the Salvation Army. And um, I don't have any biological children, but I got about 20-something kids that I mentored. I've been mentoring them for about two and a half years now. I can't believe it. God is, man, he has to, what he done in my life? I can't believe, I can't believe it. When people used to talk about that experience and what God done, nah, it can't be that real. It can't be that much, but it's real. It's, it's true. And at 56, I didn't know it would be like that. I had no idea. I didn't think he loved me that much. And nobody could have wrote my story and told me that what has happened to me over these last two years um, would have happened. I mean, the police, places I've been and the people I've been in the company of, it's, this, it's nothing short of amazing. And uh, he still lets me know the best is yet to come. Very powerful. I think the thing that amazes me after 33 years of doing this is in Australia, which is pretty much an unbelieving world, I live in a pretty much secular, unbelieving culture where often the name of Jesus is mocked and mm. people deride him yeah. and there's no persecution in Australia, but there's certainly plenty of um, catcalling and abuse for those who choose to follow Jesus Christ. Well, I tell you what. I get a front row seat watching people's lives change. Yep. And there is a man deeply wounded and deeply damaged. Jesus comes into his heart, changes everything. And that's what this next song is about, sufficient for today. Maverick, Maverick City Music, this is actually a Filipino group. 
amateur group, Hunty. Yep. This is not even. I don't know whether you picked that up when you were getting this. Yeah, I just, uh, I just thought it was live worship. Yeah, this is live worship, and and this girl can sing. And what she's talking about is the fact that Jesus and His love, and the fact that He walks with us, no matter how rough things get, as we just heard in that story. Jesus, He really is sufficient for today. Mm. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen. Yeah. 
But the grace of God, no matter what you're going through, and, and this is why I think people have got to experience Jesus for themselves. And you experience Jesus by talking to him, just like we talk to each other, um, yep. in your words, in your language, from your thoughts, from your mind. You talk to Jesus, that's prayer. Tell him about your struggles, tell him about your battles. If you've been abused, talk to him about it. Ask him the way out, ask him to show you. And open your Bible. And I always tell the people when you start in the Bible reading, start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because it's a story of Jesus. You get yourself into the presence of Jesus, honey. Yeah. If you're in the presence of Jesus, he is going to get you through this stuff. And then his grace, his presence is sufficient. It is enough to get you through. And as I said, most Aussies don't get that. I wish they did, honey. Yeah. I wish they did. Yeah. Um, every now and again, I like to go for a spin around what's going to happen at the end of the world. Yep. What happens when Jesus returns? That's right. If you don't know it. Everyone wants to know this. Jesus is going to return, hunty. Yep. Bible's very clear about this. Bible says what will happen. So I want to just go for a quick spin this afternoon. Have a mm-hmm. look at what the Bible yep. has to say about what will happen when Jesus comes. And I want to start. You got your Bible there, mate? I do. Go to Matthew 24. Go yep. to the NLT. Yeah, NLT? Yeah, yep. you're online. Not, okay, good. I, I, I think down further I'll get you to do one in NKJV. You okay. can switch across. Sure, sure, sure. Um, verse 30 and 31, this is Jesus talking about the end of the world and what will happen when he comes. Okay, let's, let's go for a quick spin, Hunter. You ready? Yep, yep, Let's yep. go. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet. They will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the furthest ends of the heavens and the earth. That's that's incredible. Wow. Most people... 
probably listen to that and go, well, that's really weird. I can't comprehend the idea that Jesus is going to come. There's going to be a blast. Everyone's going to see him. Revelation 1, 6 or 7, I think it's 7, says that. Every eye will see. If you're alive, you can't miss this. Here's Jesus in the sky with billions of angels, and he is coming, and he's coming to collect those who love him. That's why he comes back. That's why I know the world will not end. I know it will. I know we're facing environmental collapse and disaster. We're looking at that today. Yep. But it will not end until Jesus comes. It will not self-destruct. Jesus is coming. There will not be a nuclear holocaust that will destroy the entire world. I'm not saying there won't be a nuclear holocaust. Already has been Hiroshima, and Nagasaki. But there will be not. Uh, there will not be a nuclear holocaust that will destroy the entire world. Jesus will come. Jesus will come. Drought, fire, flood, environmental catastrophe, climate change, wars, threat of nuclear annihilation. Some of these things will happen, but never on a worldwide basis. The world will continue to tick over till Jesus comes. And when he comes, angels in the sky everywhere. A lot of people don't like him coming, but he's coming to get those he loves. That's why it's important that you give your heart to Jesus and follow him today. For it's sure. more, hunty, than just him helping you through the day-to-day -day aspects of life as being ready for him in love with him serving him choosing him as your god so that when he comes he comes for you go yeah. to the next one revelation 6 verse 15 through to 17 i don't really like this scripture but you've got to read it because mm. this is how this is a reaction of those who who don't love yep. jesus perhaps the majority when he comes then everyone the kings of the earth the rulers the generals the wealthy the powerful and every slave and every free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains and they cried to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive mm, mm. <laughs> out <Ouch. laughs> yeah this is not a day for those who do not know Jesus, don't want Jesus, mm. won't serve Jesus, won't choose Jesus. In fact, death would be better than what they're going through. Uh, they don't want him to come, and of course, with his second coming, um, it really is the end of their existence on the planet. Mm. Mm. Yes. Pretty sad, that, isn't it? It's very sad. Um, very, so very sobering. Yeah, the Bible says that. It's the brightness of his coming that destroys them. Um, it's more, I guess, his coming when Jesus comes, who is God, will be brighter than a thousand suns. And those who don't love him, it's the end of their sojourn on this planet. Mm. People say to me, well, what would you say to Hunty if someone said, well, that's not fair, God does that? What's your answer? Um try try and meet the jesus that i know let me help you let me introduce you to him yeah but what are you going to say when your mate says well that's not fair all those people that's the end of their journey in life just um, because they didn't choose jesus did you get a chance well everyone gets a chance that's why we're on this radio show that's why every morning we're out hunting doing our worship program that's why we're working friday night it's why yeah. we're working saturday it's why we're doing all this media stuff because we want to give people a chance but what are you going to say to some am i is this too hard this, this is a question i don't think i either want to answer or don't want to confront or scares me or i worry about my friends i, I don't know but for all those above reasons this is sad for me <sighs> um when people say that to me i say well what do you want to do do you want to go on and watch husbands murder their wives in domestic violence cases? Do you want that? No. 
Do you want to continue to watch them slaughter each other in Ukraine Russia war? Do you want to no. continue to watch the abuse of little children around the planet? I mean, wh- no. where, where do we get to a point where God says enough is enough? There's too much pain. There's too much suffering. I've got to stop it. That puts it in perspective. Yeah. I reckon it does. Yeah. I mean, there's no grain shipments going out from Ukraine. How many people are going to starve as a result of that if, if NATO and the Hundreds West doesn't work that out? Thousands if they can't sort it. Millions. Millions, yeah. True. Uh, Ukraine is a bigger breadbasket to the world than Australia. Yep. And we're a big breadbasket. We are. Um, How much longer do you go before you stop it? And I think that's what this is about. Jesus just says enough is enough. And he's putting out the call to you right now, if you listen to this radio station, through us. And Jesus is saying, hey, come, follow me. Let me come into your heart right now. Let me give you peace. And when I come back, let me save you. That appeal is desperate, it's urgent, it's intense, it's strong, it's powerful, and it's full of love. And Jesus is calling. It's not about you, Hunty. I feel the tug on my heart mm. as Jesus calls me, as he calls you, as he calls our listeners to follow him. Jesus says, Bible says, I'm not. Jesus says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. But you've got to choose Jesus. You've got to choose him. Yep. Give yourself a chance to live. Jesus says, I don't want anyone to die. But this ship's like the, this, this world is like the ship, the Titanic, and it's going down. And Jesus is the lifeboat. Neither you choose to get in the lifeboat or you're going to go down with the Titanic. Yep. And that's not Jesus' fault. And if you're listening to this radio show right now, make no mistake, Jesus is giving you a chance right now to make a call for him. Yep. You hear what I'm saying, Auntie? Yep. Pretty strong stuff. But it's, that's how it is. First Thessalonians 4, I like this. you got I to like this, this too. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. For the believers who've died, for the believers who have died, will rise from their graves. Then, together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Do you like that? I love it. So Jesus is going to come. There's going to be a commanding shout. Everybody will see it and hear it. This idea of a secret rapture, that's ridiculous. It's not in the Bible. No. Not, Look, not a scrap. Forgive me if I'm being a bit offhanded there to listeners who do believe in a secret rapture. It's just not in the Bible. Jesus comes down. He gives a shout. There's a resurrection of those who have died and gone before us. Yep. Right now they're resting in the ground. They're sleeping. That's what the Bible teaches. From Genesis to Revelation, that's what the Bible teaches, hunty. Yeah. There's a resurrection for those who love Jesus. And together with those who are resurrected, man, I'm looking forward to that, hunty. Yeah, me too. I've often said my grandma died just before she's 101 and I miss her, and that was back in 2004, and I miss a man. Mm. I miss my friend Debbie, who passed away when she was 18. I miss my best mate, Nigel, who passed away when we were 26. Best friend. Um, resurrection. To see those who love the Lord, to see them again, and this time to live for eternity. Can't wait. And we meet them and we rise up in the air to be with the Lord. We'll continue this next week, hunting. Mm, we should. But it's a powerful, powerful little passage of Scripture. And you know what? If you want to be there, if you want to be ready for Jesus when he comes, just invite him into your heart. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty, this song soon and very soon. Yep. 
by Andre Crouch, who's passed on, and he's at rest waiting for the resurrection now, and he, he'll hear the voice of the Lord yep. when he comes. It's about the second yep. coming. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. And it's a beautiful song. It's actually old, this one. Yeah, I love no this song. No more contemporary song. songs today. Oh, well, we do actually have one more at the end of the show. <laughs> good, good, good. But this is an oldie. We sing this in church all the time. I sometimes just lie in bed. I probably listen to this two to three, maybe four nights a week, this one song. And I lie there and I think about the fact that soon Jesus is going to come and all the pain and all the sorrow, all the sickness and the fighting and the death, it's all going to go mm. and we'll be with him forever. Soon and very soon by the famous and the very spiritual, powerful Andre Crouch. <laughs> Don't you know I'm going to see you believe that? Soon and very soon and very soon Don't you know I'm going to see again I said soon and very soon We are going to see again Singing hallelujah, hallelujah We are going to see again Okay, all right, so it's time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Okay, let me see. we got some great questions. First question from um, our mate Dave. Hey, guys, when Jesus died on the cross, 
the graves opened and those saints went witnessing. Do we know, did they eventually return asleep to the graves? Or were they the 24 who went to heaven with Enoch, Elijah, Abraham and Moses? Thanks for answering if you can. Or a bit of a challenge there for you, mate. We do not know. We do not know what happened to them, except the Bible indicates that Jesus took them as first fruits. Bible says this. Right. Took them as fruit, first fruits back to heaven. So what happens when Jesus dies? There's a resurrection of all these saints down through the Old Testament ages. A lot of people don't know this. They walk around Jerusalem testifying about Jesus on the cross. And then when Jesus goes back to heaven, they go with him. Hmm. Are they the 24 elders? Don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but just don't know. It's going to be interesting to find out who it was that he resurrected and who went back. But that's questions that we can't answer till we get to heaven. Right. Wow. Okay. So, but it's good, and you'll pick the story up in the Gospels. Yep. First time I come across that, it, it blew me away. Yep. Yeah. Good right. question, David, from Western yeah, thanks, Australia. Dave. All right, next one from Cheryl. Cheryl or Cheryl, I'm not sure. Hello, Lloyd. When Sunday Law comes in, how do they get the homeless different cultures like PNG, Highlanders, Muslims, etc. to attend, how do they account for everyone? There's a concept at the end of time that, um, and there's a biblical concept that the issue at the end of time is over-worship. And some believe that there'll be a Sunday law come in to abrogate the Sabbath. We're going to find out how that and if that will happen in the future. We don't know too much. Believe it or not, um, the Bible doesn't say a lot about that, Hunty. Right. A lot of people, especially Adventists, get shocked about that. But it, it, it the Bible talks about uh, worship being, at the end of time, the battle between good and evil. How that unfolds, we don't know. I actually don't even think it's healthy to um, surmise and guess what's going to happen. I've been a great believer in prophecy, in grabbing hold of what I can, yep. and then just waiting to see. Because I think... And I talked to Adventists who listened to us for a moment. We're in for a few shocks when this thing unfolds. We think we've got it all worked out, and I'm not sure we have. So well, study the mm. prophecies. Study them in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But it's not the only place you find prophecies. There in Jeremiah. I mean, we're looking today, Hunty, at the second coming. I can take you to Jeremiah. I can take you to Isaiah. I can take you to Old Testament prophets who look ahead and prophesy about the second coming of Jesus. You know it, Hunty, because yep. you and me have been there together on different programs we've run all yeah, over the world. Sure have, yeah. Yep. Um, study the prophecies Don't get too tied down on them uh, Thinking you know exactly what's going to happen Wait and watch and it will all unfold And I know that's probably not the answer you want to hear sister But it's the answer I give on those sorts of questions Alright, very good Okay, next question How do I escape the pain of a failed relationship? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Oh yeah um, it, it, it's, I'm not a relationship expert, hunty but in the failed relationships... I can, I can answer that. Oh, okay. Go for it. God, you've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to lean on him. You've got to go into the Bible for the, for the text that give you support and comfort. Okay. Mm. Um, I'd add to that. If you're in a failed relationship and you're not the... The failure. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, cause of the damage. Yeah, you're not the... Well, I believe in relationships. Most relationships fall over more than one. You know, it yes. takes two to tango. Yeah. Pray for your partner or your ex-partner. Nothing will soften your heart more than that. But it's not easy, and time is a healer. So Hunty's right. Spend time with God. Mm. Pray for that person that God will keep your heart soft. I mean, if you want the relationship to continue, you can pray for that. But step by step, 
day, day by day, a day at a time. Jesus said, sufficient of the problems for today. Don't look too far ahead. Just go step by step with Jesus, um, praying for the partner or ex-partner. The night, the night, the night will will be vanquished. Yep. The sun will rise again. Can I can I jump in here? I would also pray a prayer to the Lord, saying, "Hey, Lord, you know what's going on here. You know what mess we're in. What's your advice to me? Do I stick mm. it out? Do I try and work it through, or or?" What do you tell me to lead me and guide me in this? How would you find an answer for that? How would you hear God answering you on that? Well, I'm very blessed. God speaks very clearly to me, especially in my Bible study and and during my prayer. Okay. I kind of feel like he leads me. Good. Um, A bit hard to describe, but that's that's my journey. Well, that's because he tailors his leadership to every person individually, doesn't he? He does. And how he leads you is different than how he leads me or someone else. But what you're saying is if you've got a relationship with him, you'll hear him. Yep. Obey. Yeah. Follow. And you ask the question and then you'll come eventually to peace with a solution okay. that God has probably placed in your heart. Mm. All right. One minute to go. Let's go. Uh, how do I sca- no, what, How can I deal with people's anger and rejection of me? Oh. Everyone gets rejected and it stings, eh? Mm. Mm. No one likes being mm. rejected. It can often make you hostile. Uh, the, only way I, the only thing I can do is when people get angry with me, and they do all the time, and if they reject me, and that happens pretty consistently in my life, <laughs> if it really bugs me, a lot of the time it doesn't bug me, so it just goes out of the top of my head, hunty. Yep. But if it really bugs me, you know what I do? I just pray for them. Yeah. I've already shared that today. That's the best advice. Just pray for them. Yeah. Mm. And when I pray for them, it softens my heart, even if it doesn't soften theirs. It might. God might be able to soften theirs. He can't. Depends where they're at. But it softens my heart. And in the end, if your heart's soft to those who are rejecting you, who don't like you, even hate you, you're pretty much alright, aren't you, mate? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I think we're out of time, we mate. We are out of time. You get the stink. <laughs> you're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I think you got the sting every time today. Woo-hoo. I'm going to give you 10 out. I don't know how many stings there's been, <laughs> but you ain't missed a single one. This last song, he calls me friend. This is City of Light again. I reckon this is a new song. Great. Maybe some listeners Good. can let us know. Uh, City of Light, he calls me friend. I like this song too. It's about Jesus and how he's more than a God. He's our friend. He's our saviour, but he's our friend.
my son's teacher and i'm not sure where hunty beautiful <laughs> song enough. jesus calls me friend hey hey hunty is yes. there a day coming when we're going to do that in this studio because we have some of the best musicians in the church in australia we, sh- we should you know that studio would take it beautifully we have fantastic you know of the 33 years i've been in ministry i've never had a time where i've had more talented musicians and singers in a church than I've got right now. Yeah, we are blessed. We are very mm. blessed. And if, if you're doing nothing Saturday morning, I'm telling you, well, even if you do something, cancel your plans. Come to church. Come to the Aussie Pastors Church. Come to the Aussie Pastors Techies Church. Hunter will be there in the tech. He's training the boys and girls up the back. Yeah, you know, tech. we've got a great church. If you come to New Hope, 4 Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, you will be blessed. And... um. I'm going to preach on what Jesus says you have to do if you want to go to heaven. It's one of the best in all the world. Well, we're out of time, so glad you came to join us today. I'm going to finish with a prayer. Father in heaven, I just pray now that you'll bless our listeners, that you'll be with them. For those who have listened for the first time, those who have never made decisions to follow Jesus, oh Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll send the Holy Spirit to touch their hearts and make decisions. Make decisions for Jesus now before it's too late is my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name's Lord Grollam and I'm the Aussie Pastor. And my name's Hunty and we love you, but... God loves you so much more. See you next time. We're getting there, Hunty. <laughs> Bye.
That was perfect. Thanks, I'm perfect. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 